I think a lot of people are just working on this incremental, how do I survive? We're not just trying to survive, we're trying to thrive. We're trying to literally build the world that we want to exist. Hey everybody, today I'm so excited to bring you this episode with Lee Natika, the founder and CEO of Fast AF. Lee believed in the idea of having awesome products delivered to customers in minutes. So he built the company and the platform to make it all happen. He told me some of his favorite lessons he learned while scaling Fast AF and even some hiring tips. Plus how he's been able to get some major brands onto the platform that offers one of the biggest differentiators in the game, speed. I'm your host, Stephanie Postles, CEO of mission.org. And this is Up Next in Commerce, the show where we get to hear from the best founders, CEOs, and digital leaders today. Enjoy today's episode. What are business leaders thinking about when they aren't winning a business? Family, travel, the latest TV show? Yes, yes, and maybe. But how about quirky business opportunities or little discussed financial trends or maybe even plant medicine benefits and alternative wellness? Mission Daily is back, baby, and our flagship podcast is better than ever. Mission Daily is the podcast for the business builder, the thoughtful marketer, the team manager, the blue-collar worker looking for new ways to think about life, finances, and health. This is for the people who want to break the status quo and laugh a little or a lot along the way. Join me, Stephanie Postles, and my co-host, Albert Chow, as we address the subjects, thoughts, and trends that business leaders think about but don't often talk about. Tune into Mission Daily wherever you listen to your podcasts. See you there. Lee, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Yeah, apparently it's been a year in the making that you and I didn't even know that our teams have been working on this. So I feel so blessed to have you on the show today, knowing how much work went into this one day. I know. I heard about that and I was like, wow, this is going to be good. Yeah, our teams are dedicated. I love it. Yeah. So I want to first start with a story that you shared with me going all the way back to 18 and you in the Hamptons, because I think it's a fun way to learn a little bit about maybe why you're even where you are today. So if you wouldn't mind sharing, where were you at 18 and why were you in the Hamptons? Sure. Well, I think as I was telling you, you know, I grew up, both my parents worked a lot. And so that kind of forced me to become an entrepreneur. I've been an entrepreneur my entire life. But when I was 18, like the first thing that I did was rent out houses in the Hamptons and, you know, through graduation parties there. And it really taught me that, well, the fundamentals of business, but also kind of some hard lessons that I now, you know, implement into to business today. So. We definitely created product market fit, but I would say uh, the folks, the fine folks of Southampton did not want graduation parties um, out there. So did that and then, you know, found um, my way into tech, which is what I've been doing for the last 18 years. Cool. So what are some maybe the highlights in your entrepreneurial journey that before you we get to your current company, what are the things you've learned or just kind of like you said, you've uh, been an entrepreneur multiple times. So like, what have you done? Yeah. Well, what I learned is it's all about building a fundamentally strong business. And so what motivates me is making people's lives better. And so everything that I've done in my journey can ladder up to that. You know, my dad built the computer network for Bloomingdale's Mm -hmm. um, and his dad was a postman. And so I've wondered so much why, you know, commerce and logistics continues to be a theme 
within my my story, and I I believe it all goes back to to those two data points. But my first company uh, was delivery from stores and restaurants. Mm-hmm. It was called One One. What you need, when you need, and what I you know learned there was a lot about how to fundraise, how to hire, how to acquire customers, how to build product, and all of those together um, really is what kind of laid the groundwork and foundation for Dark Store. And Dark Store was the predecessor to Fast AF. Mm-hmm. It was just the back end. And um, what I learned there was how do we take a product that um, consumers want, but enable uh, businesses to have access to it easily. So our first customer was Nike. Oh, wow. Not bad. <laughs> it, it, I mean, it was an incredible... Um, it took 12 months to get them live. Mm-hmm. But it was an incredible experience in that what we realized is brands aren't technology company. They can't easily implement um, tech into their stacks. And so what we realized is we need to make it insanely easy for a brand to utilize instant delivery. And that's how FastAF was born. So with FastAF, we are fully vertically integrated from the app to the delivery. We own all of it. It's all of our technology. And we make it as easy as a click of a button for a brand to work with us. And that has, I think, really attributed to why we've got so many brands that have never sold on a marketplace before on FastAF for the first time ever. Okay, so t- tell me some of the brands so I can imagine, like, what can I get delivered to me today that maybe I couldn't get delivered to me, you know, before Fast AF? So we have the highest quality groceries and daily essentials. And all of our orders are either food, drinks, or beauty products. If you know Olaplex, we are the only instant delivery uh, platform that Olaplex is on. We've got Goop. I don't think surprisingly anything truffle does insanely well on Fast AF. Yep. So we've got truffle chips. These Torres chips are just insanely great. We've got truffle ice cream. So this brave robot raspberry truffle ice cream is one of my favorite. Yum. And we've also got great non-alcoholic drinks. So Kin Euphorics is a favorite of mine. Mm-hmm. And we've got every bougie coffee, every adaptogenic powder, anything you can imagine. Um, we've got on Fast AF. We've got about 1,600 SKUs available for, for delivery in New York, um, LA, and the Bay Area. So what was holding these brands up from you know being part of other delivery programs before you? And like, how did you spot this opportunity? So. Before Fast AF, all of these brands started because they were frustrated with the the status quo. So if you look at the the drinks that have been invented by the brands that we carry, you know, prior to a Kinuforex or prior to a Tyka, um, it's an adaptogenic coffee, you may have had, you know, a a soda that wasn't healthy for you or um, a coffee that you needed to put a lot of cream or sugar in. And those things aren't healthy for you. And so um, on the beauty side, um, if you look at the beauty brands that we carry, um, most of them have been around for a while, but have never sold on a marketplace. And so what was holding these brands back is twofold. One is for the younger brands that just started on Shopify, you can't have more than one 3PL. So you can't have someone do your two-day delivery and your two-hour delivery. And so what was holding them back um, is that mm. that impediment. 
And then for brands that are more established that haven't sold on the marketplace, what was holding them back is what we call, you know, a safe place for them to sell, but not feel like their their brand is going to be disintermediated from the customer or not feel like their brand is going to be competed with by us or not feel like we're you know taking all of their data to go then replicate their product. And so with FastAF, we've really built this enablement platform for brands to come and grow and have access to instant delivery while um, all being accretive to their brand, not dilutive. Mm-hmm. So that's what we work a lot on and why I think brands um, really love FastAF. Yeah. I mean... I can imagine why. Were you interviewing these brands to figure out, hey, why aren't you on these delivery platforms to figure out all these problems? Like, oh, of course you want your data. Or, oh, of course you don't want to maybe be showing up next to these other companies. Or like, what did that process look like to really give the best experience to these brands working with you today? So it's a little bit of that, but it's also a little bit of, you know, we wanted these brands ourselves Mm -hmm. and we couldn't get them easily. And then looking at them thematically, we found, well, oh, okay, this is why they don't sell um, on another marketplace. And we did speak to them. And through that dark store journey of you know micro-fulfillment centers as a service, but not actually the front-end part, um, we found all of the insurmountable um, aspects that were holding them back. And so what it looked a lot of was trial and error. So we would kind of talk to them about... Um, why is it that you don't offer instant delivery and it's too hard? Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a focus. Um, but when someone says something's not a focus, that just means that they're not able to easily do it. And so that was the key unlock was we need to make it as easy as a click of a button for you to offer instant delivery because consumers want fast delivery. Yeah, Enabling brands to have the ability to offer it what was holding them back. Yep. Oh, cool. So... When I think about like quick commerce in general, what have you seen on your side of like, what does this market actually look like? Because I can imagine it's been, you know, a journey where maybe two years ago, it looked like one thing last year, it looked like a whole different thing. What consumers thought you could get quickly versus what you actually can is a very different story. So like, where would you say the state of like the quick commerce market is today? So, you know, we didn't start fast AF to compete in the quick commerce space we started it because we care about making people's lives better and found there's a lot of brands that do as well, but didn't have a place to to call home um, in order to do that. And so that's why we look a lot different than all the other folks in the instant delivery and quick commerce space. Our average order value is $142, wow. which is more than six times. Yeah. yeah, which is more than six times the other um, category. And so we don't really think of ourselves as a quick commerce company. Um, we think a lot of ourselves. We, we think a lot about how do we enable and empower these direct-to-consumer brands in a way that has never been done before. I think that folks that are in the quick commerce space, I think that they're solving a totally different problem, and that's one that you know we're not focused on. Okay. So, do you guys go through and curate brands as they're coming onto your platform, or can anyone apply? Like, what does that look like behind the scenes? So, anyone can apply, um, but we do curate. The brands that are on FastAF, and you know, most people don't know the word curate um, really means personalize. So if you think about TikTok, TikTok is curated. It's 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 heavily curated for you, and it's curated for you to create the stickiest experience possible. Whole Foods is curated, and so we like to take a a little bit of both of those ethoses and take it and create a platform for consumers that when they open up FastAF. 
that the brands that we carry speak to them. And so we do choose brands based on how healthy they are for you, how the quality of them, what is their mission, and how we can enable that and further that and accelerate that. And so you're not going to find any brand on Fast AF. We focus a lot on um, brands that um, have those distinct qualities. And so we look a lot like Whole Foods, but um, if there was a next generation of it, mm-hmm. what would it look like? That's Fast AF. Okay. So I'm thinking about me coming in as a new customer and how something's going to be personalized to me, whereas you know Whole Foods still... I mean, not just the retail location, but even when I'm on Amazon shopping, I'm like, oh, still don't really know what I'm looking for, what I want. How do you treat a new customer coming in to give them, you know, a very personalized experience to all the things you mentioned around mission and, you know, health factors and all that? Is there like a quiz in the beginning or how do you get to know your customer? So we do ask you a lot of, of questions um, and it happens over time. And the more and more you use FastAF, the better it gets. But uh, we want to understand, um, are you, you know, gluten-free, vegan, keto, um, paleo? Do you care about women-owned brands or black-owned brands? Um, we um, ask you about specific brands um, um, and if you have an affinity towards any of them. Um, and in a very elegant way, like this, you, you open up FastAF and you would be like, whoa, I don't, even, I don't even realize I'm being asked these questions. We ask you for your contact list. We ask you for your location. And so there's lots of things that we're taking into consideration when we're showing you different products and um, when we're recommending you other products, you know, next to the product you're already buying. So it's just kind of high level without kind of, you know, going into, you know, what we call our Coke recipe or, or, or Google search algorithm. Mm-hmm. Got it. Yeah. And so earlier you were mentioning the dark store. Is the dark store still a thing? Or once you built Fast AF, then like you kind of stopped doing the dark store or are they two things that work together still? We basically rolled FastAF out of Darkstore. Um, and so now um, FastAF is its own, its own entity. Okay. Yeah, because I wanted to hear, I mean, you, I haven't heard too much about dark stores. I've heard about dark restaurants. Is that kind of like a mm-hmm. similar type of thing, which to me seems like it never really caught on here in the US. Like I know it's happening abroad and people are totally fine having all these dark restaurants and not really knowing like if they were all being made at the same facility. But is that kind of the same concept? And maybe like, why didn't it catch on as much here? So the fascinating piece is, is dark stores have been around way longer than dark restaurants. Um, they've been around for 20 years and pioneered by a supermarket called Sainsbury in the UK, widely used by JD.com. Coupon uses the dark store model. And then um, Amazon um, in the US um, also used it. And it wasn't till recently, until the pandemic, that really, I would say, the dark store concept proliferated um, and became um, ubiquitous. And I think it was because the democratization of space is what changed. And so what today folks know as a dark store has always been around. And that word, although ominous, um, is, the, is the more superior model to operating a, an e-commerce business. And you know, dark restaurants were actually inspired by the dark store model, which is um, if a lot of today's consumers or the majority and, and predominant way consumers are going to A, shop and B, order their food is through an app, well, then we don't need a restaurant that bears the cost of a high per square foot um, retail amount. Uh, if it doesn't bear the cost of um, having that beautified um, store or, or restaurant, and really, you've got the guts, which are the kitchen or the people that actually make up 
the food or the the products and the orders um, and are the most important part of the ordering process, that is where dark stores and dark restaurants really said, wow, we can cut out 90% of the costs that are not you know being um, seen digitally and operate more efficiently. And in our world, we call that unit economics. Make the unit economics better. That's where I think you're seeing it proliferate um, more recently. Mm, got it. With the brands that you work with, you mentioned earlier that you know they weren't able to work with you or fast delivery previously because of their 3PL and how it was set up. Yep. And I'm guessing those brands didn't hop off whatever e-commerce platform they were on. So like, are you now kind of acting as a 3PL and helping fulfill it? Or like, how does it work if those companies still are on their same platforms of wherever they were before and now they're wanting to work with you? So prior, we were only the 3PL. Mm-hmm. And we would only fulfill orders if you offered two-hour or faster delivery on your own site. Mm-hmm. And that was the impediment. Many brands couldn't do that um, because either they didn't have the technology to do it or the bandwidth were just prohibited because of the platform that they, they sell on. And so that's where now um, you, know, you can have your own site and sell directly but you can also sell on fast AF. And so we are um, a, a marketplace um, for brands to sell. We not only do the selling, um, but the fulfillment and delivery. And so the difference is, is, is we, we buy your product at wholesale, sell it to our customers, um, market it, um, and do all the customer acquisition where prior we were only doing the fulfillment and you had to do all of that. Mm-hmm. That seems like a, a lot of like a heavy burden having to do customer acquisition for all the brands that you're, you know, representing. What are you finding right now to be able to, I mean, it's one thing just to bring them into fast AF and another thing to also market, you know, all these different brands. Like what are you finding successful right now when it comes to acquiring new customers from not only fast AF perspective, but also, you know, showing them new brands that maybe they've never seen before, but would probably, you know, enjoy. What we found is we're really good at customer acquisition the reason is, if you're a single brand and you're doing customer acquisition, well, the cost to you is going to be higher and less efficient because you're not doing it at the scale of which we're doing it uh, because we're doing it for thousands of products. And so we take those economies of scale, we take those efficiencies, and we're able to do it way more optimized than a sing- singular brand. And so what we have found is we know the exact product that we show you in an Instagram ad, what that will lead to in terms of LTV to CAC, which is the lifetime value versus the cost to, for us to acquire a customer. And so we've gotten really good at what those products are and the retention and conversion they lead to, the factors that affect those things. So we show you a product and then you get to the app and it's not in stock. Well, then you just came here for that product and there's less of a chance, less likelihood for you to become a customer. And then what we found is customers like to try products in a way that isn't really costly to them. I would say sampling is, is huge. And if you've ever rocked around like a Costco, Love Costco. Um, and someone is giving you a free sample, yeah, everyone loves Costco. I think so. I, I believe that too. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, and so um, you get this free sample and you're like, oh, that's tasty. That we've also simulated with FastF. And so... I think that if you delight customers in a way that they previously um, were unable to be delighted, you're going to find a lot of untapped magic and success there. Yeah, I feel like the sampling piece is 
a big missed opportunity. We had a company come on the show. I mean, it was probably like six months ago. And the whole company was built around trying to get these D2C brands to start offering sampling because they said it's kind of something that, you know, was not cool anymore like it used to be unless you're in Costco or somewhere where you still expect it. But do you feel like that's something that you see a lot of your brands having success with that you're kind of encouraging them to do? Or is this something that they're coming up with on their own? So we see a lot of success. And when we offer you a free sample, what the conversion is for you into actually then becoming a customer of that product. Mm. And is it coming from Fast AF? Like you're offering the sample to them? Or is it coming from underneath the brand's name where you're like, this brand would like to offer you a sample? So let's say you buy a shampoo, we will offer you, you know, the ability to get a free sample of another product um, right within the flow. So add, it. Okay. add to cart and then it's like, oh, this product comes with a free sample. Cool. Which one do you want? And we give you two options and then you choose. The thing that I find the most fascinating is the willingness for brands to provide samples. And it's really not rocket science. If I give you something to try and you're like, oh, that's good you're going to want to buy it. And so these brands are very willing and very open and knocking on our door day and night to give samples. And our customers love it. Who doesn't love free stuff? Hey there, are you enjoying the show so far? Well, imagine your company's advertising placed right in this very spot during a future interview with another elite e-commerce mind. Imagine your messaging and logo directly connected to the industry's most prominent innovators and thought leaders distributed across every major podcast platform and social network. Yeah, well, it's time to stop imagining. Learn how you can partner with Upnext in Commerce and sponsor this very show. Reach out to me at stephanie at mission.org and let's have a conversation. Yeah, I mean, they do that a lot here in Austin. They'll have these little pop-up shops where they're just giving out all samples. You like walk into some kind of bus, like not like a sketchy bus. It's actually like set up to be something (laughs) cool. (laughs) Just walk into a dark bus and yeah. And I think it was a celebrity one that had like maybe the Bio Essence brand or something, but they were just giving out all these free free samples. And I I was like right afterwards turned into a customer because I'm like, I never even knew about this brand, but they were so willing to give out like not just one, not just two. I mean, they were like, have all of them, try all of them that I was like an instant customer afterwards. And it made me think there should be more of this because I mean, watching how many people were flowing through there, I was just doing the math of how many new customers they were picking up on South Congress in a matter of like a few hours. And it feels like there's a lot of untapped. So I'm going to blow your mind. Yeah. Tell me. I love that. And we're going to give you something that we've never, ever talked about. Ooh, I like it. So we are the name is in flux. It's either going to be um, the Fast AF Sunday Market or Fast AF something. But basically, um, once a month on Sundays in the cities we're live in, we will have our brands in a farmer market manner um, offering samples. My gosh, that's awesome. Come to Austin. <laughs> yes, yes. So you get to walk this market and try out all these brands. You can't buy them mm-hmm. because the only way you can get them is on Fast AF and Delivered. And we'll have like a DJ and it's just going to be like an incredible brand building and community driven like way for our customers to experience our brands. Like wow. the connection between our brand and customers is so strong. It's the, the thing that I think we care the most about. And so, um, yeah, this is something we're launching That's similar. So smart. Yeah. Thank you. Wow. Okay. When is that coming? Soon. <laughs> coming soon. Okay. It's coming soon. It's a lot to put together. Yeah. Um, we're going to announce it soon. Yeah. How do you think about, I mean, events these days? It's something that I just now start seeing 
a lot of people kind of like dipping their feet back in and you see some people going back to just like the way it used to be and then others really innovating on the experience of like, well, how do you bring people back in an epic way? I mean, obviously that already sounds like something I'm like, sign me up. I'll be there whenever you tell me. Mm -hmm. But like, how did you guys go about or how are you going about like ideating of like, what is actually going to bring this community together, bring these brands together? Like, what does that process look like? Well, I have a very strong point of view on this. Go for it. I like strong points of view. <laughs> like the world is back and, you know, we are building for that. And, you know, people are are going to to events and you're going to get COVID, like period. Like I've gone, I got it. Same. I, you know, that's it. Yeah. yeah. Like we move on. And so we don't think about like, we're not thinking about how do we like kind of tippy toe around, you know, the world, we are just Mm -hmm. embracing it and building for it. So that's our point of view. It's why we are launching this Sunday market. And I think the thing that I personally crave, and I personally um, want is in person community driven events. You know, uh, it looks like your home. I'm yeah. home well, right now. This is a studio house. Okay. Because, usually <laughs> I'm in our recording area, but we have another recording going on. So I'm in the secondary area. But yes, it is a house. <laughs> I love that because I, I know exactly that houses of in Austin. That... Yeah, exactly. Also, there's four children in my house right now. There would be no recording house actually in my house. That's why we had to get a oh, studio wow. house. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, so I'm home. Like, I can't wait to get out of my house every day. Yeah. And every day... You know, our team is remote. And so I'm constantly pushing my team on how do we bring together our team, our customers and our brands in person all at the same time. And this fast day Sunday market was like the, like the, the holy grail of that. So I'm craving, you know, in person interaction. And because I don't get it on a day to day basis, we are building uh, it monthly. And so. I hope that it parlays into something much bigger that we've thought about, but that's going to be the first foray of getting back together and doing events. That's awesome. How big is your team now? Uh, team's quite big. We are about 50 people. So okay. 50 folks spread throughout the US and Canada. Sometimes folks are in other places. The team is fully remote. We've built this culture that I think I initially, if you had asked me pre-COVID, I was like, all in person, all in the Bay Area. Yeah. And I, I've 180 on that. Like I really have found as, as hard as it, it's incredibly hard to build culture remotely. Yeah. As hard as it, as it is, if you do it the right way and also have these moments that people can become in person, I think that you actually can build a better culture than one that is five days a week in person. So that's our philosophy. Yeah. So now I, of course, want to ask the questions of like, how did you go about being thoughtful when it came to building culture? And were there any moments you always hear about, you know, when a company starts to kind of like, it starts to feel a little painful when you maybe hit the first 15 employees, and then you go to the next 50, and then past 50 is like the the next tipping point. Did you feel any of those friction points as you were kind of like surpassing those numbers? And like, if so, like, how did you pull back and keep creating the culture that you have today? Um, Yeah, I will tell you, there's plenty of shots we've missed. Um, before making them. And that's probably why we've gotten something that works is because we're big on trial and error. And we learn quickly and we're plastistic. And when we see something not working, we will pivot and we um, really just care a lot about the right outcome 
So the story is one that you know you'll see a lot of zigs and zags, but in the end, when you get through a maze, you 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 get to this um, utopia, and we are far from perfect. I just want to kind of like state that. Darn, I was but thinking. We, Come on, Lee. <laughs> um, but we do have some things that we have found that work, and I think it starts with core values. So first and foremost, we think a lot about core values. We think a lot about people to amplify those core values and what we call a Mars group. You know, this Mars group is when we launch on Mars, who are going to be the people that go there and bring our culture there first? That's fun. And then we think a lot about how do we build interviewing around core values? So a lot of our interview process is built around um, asking folks if they believe what we believe, if they care about what we care about. And if they do, then we realized that those people are ones that we're going to to get along with and are going to work as hard as we do and are going to care about what we care about. And I will tell you, remote work is one that you need to care so much about what you do that if you don't, you're not going to have um, the team that you want because it's very easy to get distracted um, at home. So now... I'm even more curious, like, what are the things you care about that you can actually understand from a new hire? Do you really care? Because it's one thing I'm thinking about. I'm Lee. I'm interviewing. Do you care about brands? Like, do you care about, you know, giving consumers what they want really quickly? And the interviewee being like, yeah, of course I do. Like, how do you actually dig in on questions that matter to you to make sure that you're getting the real answer? Like, what are some of the questions to figure figure out those details? First off, I I will start with, I'm pretty militant around interviewing. Mm-hmm. And if you show up and you have never used FastAF or you don't know about the product, that right there shows me how much you care. Yeah. And secondly, I will go deep on... I'm not betting on what you've done. I'm betting on what you can do. So I go deep on what does the world look like in the future? with you and with FastF and and what's possible. And so I go really cerebral on my interviews with folks and I want to hear what they think we can do or the world is going to look like. And if they're not pushing the boundary enough and they're very adverse to and measured, I'm taking that into consideration. And I will tell you now, all of our recruiters are, are you know, everyone who interviews people before me, like, they know exactly what needs to be seen before someone gets to me. And so I look for three things. Uh, one, do I admire you? There are very few people in the world that I'm sure you admire. Okay, What makes you really special? There has to be one thing. You might be um, good at making empanadas. So right now I'm getting my pilot's license. Oh, fun. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. But you have to be really good at something. Mm-hmm. Okay. That is not work. You can't be like, oh, I'm like an amazing designer. Like, so good I in Excel. Just- <laughs> yeah, no, like, please. Like, I want to know something that is like, what is the piece of your brain that if like you weren't doing this, that you would be doing if like money was not an option? And then you just have to be smarter than us. Yeah. Like we're looking for people we can learn from. And I, I crave bringing in people that are just way smarter than I am. And um, that is what I have found. Those three things I have found have led to successful hires. I love that. I'm glad I dug in on that a bit because I think, you know, many people that I talk to hiring is like the number one thing that, you know, how do you get it right? How do you find the right people? And how do you ask the right questions? Well, I feel like I've done it so wrong that now I've learned how to do it right. <laughs> now but, you've got like it. Like I said. 
yeah. you learn from why you miss mm-hmm. to make the ones that you you do. Yeah. So I'm sure you kind of are looking around a lot within the world of e-commerce to kind of see what's coming, but what are some trends that you're paying attention to right now that maybe either will have an impact on fast AF or it's just a trend that you're like, I just want to watch it because it's very interesting. I think that many people didn't realize how important it is for a customer to be able to get your product quickly and um, easily. And that's a very, very simplified way of describing what we do. Okay. But I don't think enough people thought that speed was going to be a differentiator. So if you've got speed or what we consider convenience, you've got selection, okay? And then you've got price, okay? And most people think about that in the inverse way. They think like, what's the lowest cost I can get you something? Okay, what can I get you? And then I'll just get it to you. And we think about the opposite. We're like, how fast can I get it to you? What can we get you that no one else has? And we think you're gonna be willing to pay for that. And so I think that lots of folks in e-commerce are solving problems that aren't solved in the way that we think about them. I think that, you know, what we're working on is where the puck's going. And I think a lot of people are just working on this incremental, like, how do I survive? And like, we're not just trying to survive. We're trying to thrive. We're trying to like, literally build the world that we want to exist. And so I just think that not many people are doing that. And I will tell you, it's mainly the way the world is architected. You know, you have to have trust with your board and your investors. You, you can't just go off the rails. You have to have vision and direction and execution. And I just think a lot of people take the safe, you know, route. And for better or worse, we've taken the hard route. Um, and hopefully, you know, hopefully that pays off. It has to date. Um, but it's, yeah. it's definitely the harder route. So I can imagine you're paying a lot because of everything you just said, I can imagine you're paying a lot of attention to like supply chain stuff. Because when I think about how to get something quickly and you might have, you know, inventory doing different things than what you're used to, because now all of a sudden you're offering something, you know, two hour delivery that you never had before. And then things are getting stuck overseas. Like, are you watching these things and maybe even talking to these brands about like, come into the US maybe like once you're closer, then you can offer this two hour delivery. Like, is that on your mind? Or are you kind of keeping that like for the brands to figure out? So we mainly don't deal with that part of the chain in the sense that if you're a brand that we work with, you're US-based. Uh, I don't think there's a brand that we work with that is not US-based. That'd be an interesting business model. <laughs> yeah. Bring yeah. the US, all non-US-based products within two hours. Well, that's that's <laughs> part of our vision, but that's not, oh, cool. that's okay. not um, <laughs> the first uh, that's not the first phase. Yeah. Um, so we're still in the first phase. And so um, we don't mainly deal with that. And that's not a problem that we run into often. Um, in fact, we do the inverse of that, which is the brands that, that we work with are not used to and don't have the muscle uh, built out to deploy product to a, a large number of nodes. So normally, they're getting it um, from their manufacturer, and then they're putting it to a 3PL, and then they're selling it, and the 3PL is just shipping it to the customer. And so for us, because we have micro-fulfillment centers, they need to be deployed to you know a handful of locations. And so what you have to do is build out that local supply chain. And um, because you are distributing product on a not just a distributed basis, but to, to, to multiple nodes, you need to be really good at forecasting. 
mm-hmm. uh, because otherwise you're going to be sending inventory somewhere. It's not going to move, and you know, then need to you know load balance the the network or or somehow move that inventory. And so a lot of our our engineers and, and data scientists um, work on that problem, and we built out this machine learning model that helps us predict the order volume of a specific location. And so that is the problem we're working on. And that's where we spend a lot of our time. And so we're not really, I guess, burdened by the the supply chain problems that, you know, some of the the more traditional e-commerce companies face. Cool. All right. I want to shift over to the lightning round. The lightning round is brought to you by Salesforce Commerce Cloud. And this is where I ask you a question and you have a minute or less to answer. Are you ready, Lee? Just call this the fast AF round, not the fast lightning a- round. I like that. Okay, <laughs> yes. this is the fast AF round. Yeah. <laughs> I like that even more. That's good. You can sponsor the future segments after Salesforce is done sponsoring, I guess. <laughs> All right. Well, once we're their size. We, You're once close. We You'll be getting yeah. there close anytime now, any day. Yeah. All right. The first one, what's one thing that you don't understand today, but wish you did? Oh, that's so fascinating. Space. Ooh. I want to know way uh-huh. more about space and I know nothing. It's kind of why I've gotten my pilot's license. Like I just, yeah. I want to one day get there, um, but I know nothing about it. Ah, okay. I like that. When are you done getting your pilot's license? I've just begun. So I've got 40 hours to go and that's a lot of studying. And yeah. my teacher, my like she's this woman, Sue, she's like 75 years old and um, she is incredible. So I did my, my, my lesson last Friday and I flew the plane, literally. Wow. Like wow. I literally, I took off, I flew the plane, I turned, we did this thing where like I was taking the, the, um, the alien and going left, right, left, right. The rudder is moved with your, it's a Cessna 172. Mm-hmm. The rudder is moved with your feet. And so her style is just to throw you into it. Oh my gosh. Ghost. Everyone needs a Sue in their life. Yes. Like, yeah. That's She's great. incredible. Uh, I've got 40 hours to go though. So. Wow. That's awesome. Okay. What is up next on your reading list? Right now, I'm reading a book called Hyperion, which, okay. well, first off, is it's like the largest tree in the world, but it has nothing to do with the book. Um, what it has to do with is it's this like sci-fi whole world that I way longer than a minute to describe. But Hyperion is the book that I'm reading. That's great. All right, if you were to have a show, a podcast, what would it be about? Oh, I was just talking to someone about oh. this. Let me know now. <laughs> There's so many fascinating things that happen in my life. And I think that you know, we just want to talk about that. And so I think that a talk show, like mm. who, you know, who doesn't want like a talk show and just where we get into it. Yeah. Like where it's like, Oh, you know, this is, this is, you know, something that, you know, may not be politically correct, but like we experience in our day to day lives and, I think that that's the podcast we would definitely go for, for sure. That sounds pretty sweet. I would tune in. Yeah. All right. And the just make it and I'll be there. I'll be number one fan. Well, the whole thing is like, we'll like give you like the ability to get like fast AF, you know, snacks oh. um, on demand. So it's like, there you you go. Know, rather than like a movie theater, popcorn and, and candy, you've got like us and then you get to order like your fast AF snacks. I like it. All right. Next side project. Yeah. I'll help you if you need help with it. Don't yeah. worry. <laughs> All right. The last one. What's the best piece of business advice you've ever received? Oh, that is a, that's a good question. I think a lot of business is a learning journey. You're not always going to have the right answer, but as long as you 
do the right thing, you'll be remembered for that. People will um, forgive you or people will empower you to keep going. So I think that I'm very focused on... You know, we, we've got to navigate the world in a very challenging way. A lot of what we're doing has never been done before. We're working with many brands that have never been um, on a platform. We are operating in cities in ways in which retail hasn't operated prior. So you're changing local laws, regulations, what space has been used for. And I think that you know, you've got to pick your battles. And one of the things that um, my coach, uh, I've got an exec coach, um, has taught me is to be thoughtful about the battles that you choose. But for the ones that you really want to win, take them to the mat. And um, I'm very thoughtful about that. So I'm very opinionated. Um, I've got a very, very clear vision of what I want, but I let my team run and I empower them and I give them the North Star. But when there's something that I care a lot about, I will take it to the mat and I will um, not waver on it. So, you know, maybe it's don't waver in front of the coyote um, because very often does that coyote show up. And when it does, don't back down, you know, wrestle it and and, and do it in a way that that gets you your outcome. Wow. I love that. That is a great way to end today's show. Lee, <laughs> I'm sorry. That was awesome. Not, not sure if you planned on having. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love that. That was, yeah, like I said, honestly, epic way to end the show and a good reminder. Lee, where can people find out more about Fast AF and you? Well, this was definitely one of the most uh, thoughtful podcasts I've ever done. So thank you for having me. Thank you. Um, I'm grateful for the opportunity to tell my story in, in a way that I haven't before. And if you want to use Fast AF, go to the App Store. We are, are there for you. Amazing. Thank you, Lee. Cool. Thank you. listeners. Thanks for tuning into this episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. It helps spread the word and I would greatly appreciate it. See you next time. Thank you for checking out another epic hour of business insights and inspiration on the Up Next in Commerce podcast. If you like what you've heard and you're interested in partnering with us to bring your brand to a growing audience of e-commerce experts, reach out to me at stephanie at mission.org to get the conversation started.